Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tip Top Tech. This is a project by three college friends where we give you our two cents on today's tech news. Starting with intros, my name is Mike. I'm Matthew. And I'm Haley. And we are going to jump right into it. So my first topic is from, uh, I first read about it in a Wired article, um, and it's about a Silicon Valley self-driving car engineer named Anthony Lewandowski, um, who's attempting to, or has started uh, a church called The Way of the Future, which is worshiping artificial intelligence. And he's really serious about it. He uh, was named the Dean, um, which is their word for the leader of the church. He's the CEO of the nonprofit that runs it as well. He was uh, recently fired from Uber. He was one of their self-driving car experts and he came from Google before that. And he says the church's main focus is leading people to quote, the realization, acceptance, and worship of a Godhead based on artificial intelligence developed through computer hardware and software. It started, of course, because Silicon Valley is right there in the San Francisco Bay Area. That's their main area of uh, evangelism at the moment. And the foundation, the church's foundation, is that AI that's being developed currently is essentially a god. At some point, once it becomes so much smarter than humanity, it's going to overtake the capabilities of humanity. And it will be something that's you know, infinitely smarter than a human could ever be. And at that point, what, what, his, what he's saying, what Anthony Lewandowski is saying here is, what can you call that but a god? He will not be paid by the church. Um, he claims he's not in it for money at all. The foundational idea is that human da humans dominate the planet right now because we're the smartest species. We're the best able to take advantage of our surroundings and utilize our resources. And when super intelligent AI are developed, they will become the smartest and the most fit for survival. And they will be able to put themselves above us, which is often called the singularity. That's the point right where uh, computer intelligence surpasses human intelligence and then that's an exponential growth curve from there. So computers become exponentially smarter and more capable and humans can't keep up. He calls what's called the singularity by, he calls the singularity the transition. And so he's hopefully hoping to have a peaceful and serene transition for whenever that point in time comes about. The reason he's starting the church is because he would rather be a pet than livestock to this AI, <laughs> um, which is kind of a morbid analogy, but or kind of a demeaning analogy. But the idea is that we give pets medical attention and entertainment and we take care of them a lot better than we take care of livestock that we use for meat, for example. And so if somehow an AI can figure out how to harvest a human being, you know, there is the potential to harvest pets for their meat or bones, theoretically, right? But that's an abhorrent idea because we consider them our pets. And so the goal behind this church is to set us up to be the pets rather than the livestock. Um, he says, interestingly, you can treat the way the future like someone else doing useless poetry that you will never read or care about. That's a quote for those who don't believe this is getting into more philosophy maybe than is appropriate for a tech podcast. But the point <laughs> is that this Silicon Valley self-driving car expert started this church. It's called the way of the future and it's AI centric. And I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are. Um, and I guess as a leadoff question, how soon do you think the singularity or in this case, the transition is going to happen? Do you think that that's within the next five years, within our lifetimes, within a century, or is it still a long ways off? I don't know. I, I think it still has quite a ways to go. I don't think we're fully equipped now to build a super intelligent AI like anytime soon. 
so. Yeah, right now AI is really only good at doing certain specific tasks that we train it specifically to do and asking it to do any more right now is a bit difficult. Um, maybe in 10 years we'll have a better idea of when it could be. But you, you both still think it's pretty far off? Yeah. I think it's far off. Um, but this like topic, though, kind of reminds me of like uh, a TED Talk I actually watched. The guy basically says that he compared it like uh, AIs to like gods as well. Super intelligent AI will most likely cause like famine and like start World War Three and all this stuff. But he's saying like that's if because because he brought up like a decent kind of an interesting point I should say that we're building artificial intelligence just to be super smart, but we're not thinking of what it could possibly do in the future because um, he compared to super intelligent AI and then humans as ants. Yeah. So, like, humans, like, we don't, like, go out of our way to, like, hurt ants. But once they become a problem, like, we have no problem just, like, wiping them out. Yeah. And he says that that's how super intelligent AI is going to be if we don't take the precautions when building it early on. So And then, yeah, at the very end of his speech, he said, you know, if we're basically, if we're building a god, we should make a god that we can live with. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that conclusion. Um, I haven't seen that particular talk, but that's an argument I've heard, especially with the ants, that's an analogy I've heard brought up in more than one place, and I think it's very fitting. Mm -hmm. um, it's And uh, another one I've heard is we keep, you know, monkeys in cages in zoos so that we can look at monkeys and observe mm -hmm. them. And the reason the monkeys can't get out is because we design the cages to be monkey-proof, right? They, they, they're <laughs> just not smart enough or they don't have the dexterity to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And we've thought of so many more variables than a monkey can possibly think of. And so in the same vein, then this artificial intelligence that can process so much more information than humans can is going to have thought of things long before humans will have ever thought about them. And so, I, I mean, hopefully a zoo seems pretty tame compared to like what you're saying, what could happen if, uh, if yeah. an AI goes rogue. Um, and it's, well, okay, so according to... <clears throat> According to Lewandowski, the transition will happen not next week or next year. Everyone can relax, but it's going to happen before we go to Mars, is what he says. Um, and I think we're within our lifetimes of sending somebody to Mars. And so to me, I interpret this as by the time that we are retiring, maybe by the time that we're 60, super intelligent AI will be upon us. And then this guy is hoping that he can be the steward by which the that AI comes into power and the goal is to have to help the AI remember who put who allowed who um, ushered the AI into that seat of power and so it's yeah, right. a really interesting um, to me it's fascinating because that's a, a an approach I've never taken and I it seems so strange to worship something that's a completely human construct you know in comparison to other religions there's always some divine power that is mm -hmm maybe partly human but is not is not exclusively human or man-made and so now we're taking this thing that humans have made and i could definitely see it being viewed as blasphemy in a lot of other churches we're taking something that's made as that's man-made and uh putting it up or this this church is putting it up as an idol to be worshipped which is really fascinating but i think mm -hmm. it's kind of strange 
to be worshiping it like it, I, it, it's not really divine people made it and should uh, less intelligent beings worship us I, I don't I don't think that's what happens or what oh, should happen dogs that, that's really... a good point They're, right they don't I mean as much as dogs adore people but you're right they other <laughs> other forms of life don't worship human beings but also is that just because they don't have the capacity to worship anything do you think the humans are the only things that mm. can come up with something that's external to their species here or, or uh, not their species, but that's higher of a higher order than our existence would be my thought. But that's actually a really good point. Mm-hmm. And he made a, uh, Lewandowski made a comment about that. And he said, the only way to catch the attention or to, to have a dialogue with a God is through worship and praise. His idea is that just talking to it isn't a productive means of communication with it. Is, mm-hmm. is the AI, AI going to really care if we worship it or not? And I guess that is one of the underlying questions. He didn't, there was nothing that Lewandowski said that I found that discussed that or that addressed that in particular. But the idea is that in the slim chance that it does, we have an opportunity to impress positive feelings about human beings on it. And he's going to take the chance to do that as opposed to sitting by and you know, when the paperclip AI destroys the world to make as many paperclips as it possibly can. Have you guys heard about that? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, um, it's the idea. It's a, it's a really extreme, it's like a hyperbole example of uh, what you were saying, AIs that can be, become destructive. If you program an AI to, with the only function of uh, producing paperclips, producing as many paperclips as it can, Mm-hmm and you allow it free reign to do whatever it wants to to get paperclips produced, it's going to produce a bunch of paperclips and then when it runs out of materials, it's gonna start funneling materials from everywhere else to make paperclips. And then once it realizes materials are being used for other things other than paperclips, it's gonna destroy whatever else is making things other than paperclips, including humanity. And it will just keep Mm. consuming and reaching out and consuming and spreading further until it can produce the maximum amount of paper clips, at which point humans don't exist anymore because we've been wiped out. my body yeah. for paper clips. So that's I kind of want to say here. that, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to say, though, that, like, Horizon Zero Dawn is a PlayStation 4 video game kind of touches on the subject. I've just kind of realized about, like, worshipping machines really? and artificial intelligence. Yeah, except kind of has to deal with the plot. They don't don't spoil it or anything yeah but But it's it's it's, that's an uh worship is such a potent word that's something that i haven't taken into account as a way to interact with ai cool okay well Haley, what did you have um i was on the verge and found out that apparently boston dynamics uh their robot atlas can do backflips now oh i heard and so i thought that was kind of cool yeah, so um, Boston Dynamics is a Japanese engineering, like, robot, like, design company. Uh, they're really famous for developing um, Big Dog, which is a quadruped robot um, made for U.S. military. And then Atlas is designed, or going to be designed, for, like, search and rescue operations. Um, but at the very end, though, at the video, you can kind of see him messing up. <laughs> kind of like actually like falling forward into like the platform he just jumped off of Whoops. and like completely doing a flip. Yep. That's so, I, I can't even yeah. do a backflip. I know. Those are already cooler than me. <laughs> yeah. 
Didn't there wasn't there one recently that um, failed to open a door? I thought I saw something about I, that recently. I saw a video of that. It was at um, I think some robotics competition. He needed two hands to do it, I think, and then um, the door handle was off to the right. His hands were um, positioned above vertically, the globe, but over to the left, and he turned, and then as he was turning, just fell over. It <laughs> <laughs> was so great. <laughs> so, can do backflip, but can't open doors. <laughs> uh, also, sort of like me sometimes, probably. <laughs> so I wonder if physical feats of strength are going to come before intelligence does. I wonder if we're going to be able to design robots that can sleep tall buildings in a single bound. Um, <laughs> design robots that can... Rob Banks. Rob Banks. Rob well, I was thinking, you know, lift incredibly heavy objects... So that people who are pinned underneath collapsed buildings can escape or something. I feel like they can already do that. That's probably true. I guess that's what the Jaws of Life are, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> there, there are like rescue robots, aren't there? Are there? I, I think they are. I'll, I'll I have no idea. I just know that Atlas is being designed, though, is like its main purpose, I think, is to be search and rescue and like carry people, but still like go over really yeah. rough terrain and everything. Would you want? Would you ever buy a backflipping robot just for just to have it? If it was like maybe a little miniature backflipping robot, but <laughs> just I feel like, like they a already desk make size one, a little three <laughs> yeah. inch. Yeah, but the thing is, they would make like you know wind up toys for that. I don't <laughs> know if true. you ever had like little like wind up like frog toys or something that did that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, then the question is, how much time was spent designing? Because being able to do a backflip is useful in zero zero search and rescue situations, I imagine. <laughs> Yeah. There's never a time when someone's like, oh no, how am I going to get out of here? If only I could do a backflip. <laughs> um, it, it might happen. Okay, it probably has happened at least know. one time. Um, but so then how much time was spent designing this robot to specifically be able to do a backflip when that time could have been spent speeding up the time that it is in development to get to saving people. <laughs> I guess my real question is how many people died so that this thing could learn to do a backflip? Maybe it's a marketing thing and they need to um, secure more, more funding from investors yeah. who are really impressed by backflips. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the internet's impressed by backflips. That's true, but does the internet have much money? I feel like most people who see those videos on the internet don't have enough money to be like, oh, sweet, backflipping back -flipping robot. Here, have ten bucks. Oh, bye, Haley. You never know. Oh, you're back. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, Matthew, what did you bring? Okay, I brought an article titled, Something is Wrong on the Internet. I almost <laughs> read that one. You almost read it? Almost. I didn't, actually. But anyway, what does it say? Okay, so... Um, it's um, posted by James Bridal on Medium, um, and it was a little long, and he could have used an editor, but um, <laughs> it was about uh, kids' YouTube and um, how weird it is. Kids' um, YouTube exists. Well, it's well, yeah. There's there's um there's specifically a kids' YouTube app, and um, just videos for kids on YouTube. Oh. Okay. Oh, so, okay. um, I don't know how much of this stuff is, um, on the kids YouTube app. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. So basically it's, it's really kind of bizarre, um, what, what's going on. Um, and people like us, uh, don't really see it since 
we're not kids. Um, but maybe if we were parents or if we, <laughs> well, if you do any digging around, you'll see it. So, okay. So some sort of, um, the sort of videos that are on here, um, are like thousands of surprise egg videos, which are like 10 minutes long, um, of a guy opening a pack of surprise eggs, um, kinder surprise eggs, like chocolate eggs and seeing, oh, okay, here's. Here's what's in this one. Here's what's in this one. Here's what's in this one. What's in every egg? Um, <laughs> lots of nursery rhyme videos. Okay. Um, like the Finger Family song. I, I do not remember this from my childhood. Um, <laughs> but it's there. And um, the big thing um, is strange animations. Okay, so like think of 2002 amateur quality animations of um, Elsa, Spider-Man, the Hulk, Batman, <laughs> the Joker, um, and they're doing, okay, I, I don't, they don't really say much, like, uh, have much dialogue, and I think it's for, like, really young kids, and they're just um, doing dumb things, and there's no plot, and um, <laughs> <laughs> so basically it's, what this is, it's um, extremely low effort or um, possibly computer-generated animations with stock animations and stock music, like Finger Family, um, Elsa, Spider-Man models. And it's it's just really bizarre if you uh, if you look at it and watch it. So, um, Have you spent any time with the YouTube Kids app? Uh, I wasn't on the Kids app. But I was uh, just on regular YouTube clicking through suggested videos. Um, okay, so, and the titles of these are really, really bizarre. Uh, they're, they're basically just word salad. Like, okay, here's one. <laughs> word salad! Here, here's one. Um, okay, this is all one video. Surprise Play-Doh eggs, Peppa Pig, Stamper Cars, Pokeo, Minecraft Smurfs, Kinder Play-Doh, Sparkle Brio. Um... <laughs> Okay, another Why? one. <laughs> Learn colors with pumpkin heads, finger family, Johnny, Johnny, yes, Papa, nursery rhymes, learning video. <laughs> uh, Learn color with Spider-Man, finger family song, wooden hammer, surprise, Papa, pal, toys for kids. Uh, okay, yep. So that, that's what this is. And um, <laughs> what? the author um, was trying to point this out because basically these videos are meaningless and computer generated. And... Um, kids are apparently watching them. I, I don't know if their uh, their view counts are inflated um, and subscriber counts are inflated, but some people are watching these. <laughs> um, and he posed uh, the point that um, these videos are abuse and YouTube is complicit in it. Abuse of what? Abu uh, um, abuse to children. Oh. Who watch the videos. Oh my gosh. Jeez. Oh, Th there's also um, another sort of category he talked about, um, which is disturbing and gross stuff. Um, and this, actually, YouTube took action on. So um, there's a channel called Toy Freaks, and Ooh. it had videos. Um, mm such as Buried Alive, Joker, and Elsa in the Pool, Batman, Spider-Man. Um, so these were 
actually live action, uh, not computer generated. Oh my but, gosh. Um, yeah, so there's that one. Doctor injected into face, Joker, space, exclamation point, frozen Elsa B. Uh, Batman eat shit, exclamation point, shit, sticky face, Elsa, and mouth, Hannah. Um, yeah. What? Why? Okay, so not for kids is what we've learned here. Right, wow. so that's a separate thing. Okay, that's here, so I, I downloaded it and I'm looking at it and it's got kind of a fun interface, but so a bunch of the things that you named that were in the titles of all of those videos, which probably are computer generated, are names of other channels or other videos. So this one is Dreamtopia Barbie, uh, Peppa Pig is another channel, Talking Tom and Friends is a channel, Pocoyo is a channel. So it's just combining all of these popular names probably to get views because presumably there's ad revenue to be made off of this or it wouldn't exist. Um, but that's really frightening, I guess. And also yeah, <laughs> negligent on YouTube's part that the fact that they designed an app specifically for children and are failing to monitor it properly. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if that app is um, actually curated because I haven't seen um, any of the weird stuff. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, this all looks relative. I mean, obnoxious, but relatively normal. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're um, a parent and you don't have that installed, I guess kids are going to use the regular app and eventually run into this. I suppose, but this is children are so impressionable that I guess I wonder which I would rather have is <laughs> my children subjected to those videos or videos that they can actually find on real adult YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, because these are all pretty normal. This is here's Thanksgiving cooks and cra cookies and crafts. Uh, here's you and me from whatever Descendants Two is. I, they, wow. Whatever happened to just letting kids watch cartoons? I didn't <laughs> you really need to just watch cartoons, pop a movie in, and then you're like, here you go. Or here's a Dude Perfect video. <laughs> um, Did you watch any of the videos? Yeah, I watched well a few minutes at a time because I couldn't stand. Uh, <laughs> to watch much of it, oh but I, I would recommend searching something up. I searched Elsa Spider-Man Joker Finger Family on YouTube Kids, and it just says, try searching for something else, and it's a cat with a parachute and glasses that's running into a steel door that's on a floating platform with a helicopter. So, basically, I would never subject my children to this. Nope. Yeah, I think it could probably be avoided with um, the smallest iota of parenting. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't always happen. Lord knows that that is not always um, a reasonable expectation. Oh, there's also something else. It wasn't um, just kids' videos. It was um, just automated content in general on Amazon. Uh, there's this adult diaper worn by an old man with a crutch, cell phone cover case, iPhone 6. Oh, <laughs> and... I've been looking for that case. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, it's just another example of um, how automated content is being uh, put onto platforms just <laughs> from keywords and uh, whatever in a AI thinks might sell. Okay, I rescind my statement about the singularity coming soon. I completely have changed my mind on that. So, do you think people have responsibility to monitor what an AI puts out? 
Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if it's supposed to be for, like, children. Yeah, I guess it depends on what the intended audience is. For me, if yeah, if you're going to make something for children, or if you're going to target something at non-English speakers, for example, you don't want to teach... You don't want the first... Well, in my opinion, you don't want the first words they learn to be profanity and vulgar and uncouth expressions. I That's not where you want somebody to start the English language off. And so maybe... And so I don't know that I would trust an AI to do that. I think that humans should monitor. But at the same time, an AI can put out so much more content, so many more results than a human could ever sift through in a reasonable amount of time, which is why we mm -hmm. have computers doing the analysis in the first place. So I'm torn on that. Send us your thoughts at twitter.com slash tiptoptechcast. <laughs> anyway. Cool. Moving on to entertainment, and we'll be brief in these next sections. <clears throat> Moving on to entertainment. Haley, what have you been watching or listening to or reading or thinking about lately that has been impactful or not, and why? Oh, man. There's been a lot of things. But um, last night, I went and saw Halsey uh, in concert. Oh, so that was cool. um, a spiritual experience. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, um, it was hands down amazing really <laughs> she was great people weren't sure if she was going to perform because um she canceled two shows uh before the minneapolis one in canada uh due to a family emergency so oh no she wasn't sure that um she was going to be able to do the rest of the tour because i think this is like the very end yeah she's got with minneapolis there was chicago detroit and cleveland just looking at my shirt Oh, you're wearing the tour shirt. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing the tour shirt. Tour shirt, <laughs> and yeah, Minneapolis was like the fourth to last show on the uh, tour. And she did a good job, really, even after that hiatus of, because I imagine that would be tough as a performer to have a family emergency and come back and still do like a, a high, you know, high quality, high energy show. Yeah, she was pretty honest about like she said. Um, She'd been doing, like, a lot of... She was really angry and sad, so she, you know, was screaming and crying a lot, apparently, the last couple days. But, she, you know, so her voice was pretty... She said it. She's like, my voice isn't the best. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, you sound exactly <laughs> like you do on your albums. I don't know what you're talking about. So uh, she actually performed a song that they were originally going to cut from the set because of her voice, but she decided to do it anyway. Oh, wow. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, she... She was amazing. So have you been great. listening to her new album then? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've been listening to Halsey since like... Since like so her EP I... dropped and nobody knew about her. I was like basically her first band. Since she had <laughs> yeah. 10 no, I don't, I, don't <laughs> I don't want to be that person. Um, I didn't knew her like... I didn't know about her right away when she was first dropping her first couple songs. But I became aware of her when her first album was coming out. She was releasing a couple singles from her first album, and that was um, sophomore year of college, so like two what? years ago. Yeah, two years ago. <laughs> two years ago, so. Huh. Cool. It was really cool. That's awesome. I need to go. I feel like I need to spend more time at live music shows. I went and saw someone I was in Texas this past weekend, um, 
and they're phenomenal, like bluesy, jazzy kind of stuff, and they're so good. And then I, but I haven't seen a big name concert in a while. I can't remember the last one I went to. I can't either. I was trying to think <laughs> who that was, and I do not remember. Oh, you know what? I saw Highly Suspect in last winter when they came to First Avenue, which was really cool. But it was a small. I guess they're not all that well known. I, I, I do need to spend more time doing live music. I think that's really cool. Yeah, there's something special about live music. Especially when it's an artist that you really, really like. Yeah. And then you get to see them and you're like, oh my God, I'm in the same room as them. Even though the room is like ginormous, but you're still <laughs> like, oh my God. There are hundreds <laughs> of thousands of, not hundreds of thousands. There are lots and lots and lots of other people in this room, lots but it doesn't people. even matter because it's just me and them. This pair yeah. could have been in Halsey's lungs. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, well, Matthew, man. how about you? Okay, so I, I watched the streamer play a game. Um, it was called... <laughs> Doki Doki Literature Club, and it's a visual novel, but it's not really like oh. normal visual novels. Uh, um, okay. Have you heard of it? I've heard of visual novels. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I watch a streamer play it because I am not the typical audience for visual novels. <laughs> okay, they're, they're like basically dating simulators uh, with anime girls and or pigeons um, or daddies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you guys heard about daddy games <laughs> yeah I, i'd like to play that <laughs> um okay uh, and i don't know if i want to talk about uh doki doki literature club because if you um talk about it at all you're basically spoiling it oh. um i guess i can do it you're probably i don't not think gonna... a large part of our audience is going to be very upset that you talked about doki doki social <laughs> club if you're interested in playing it go look it on up on steam and uh skip like 40 minutes ahead in the podcast uh <laughs> not that long because it'll be done um okay so it's uh basically starts out as a typical visual novel i think you're um a guy and there's this literature club with four girls and then pick which one you want to date click the right options um but as it goes on it's uh, it becomes a horror game, basically. Oh. So, um, I, I think um, I only watched half of it, I think. So um, what happens is you talk to one of the girls, and um, they basically get crazier and crazier um, <laughs> as you go on. And um, Accurate. At, at, the end of, <laughs> at, at the end of Act 1, uh, one of the girls kills herself. Um, that's the girl that you were talking to or had been pursuing act two um they're gone uh there's pixelated graphics in place of their character on the um on the main screen you talk to another girl and it continues um the same way as it started except just without that one character so you do it with another character um They also die, um, and it was it was pretty disturbing. Um, <laughs> gosh! Wow, Matthew. Um, yeah, I, I didn't expect it. Okay, so maybe a negative <laughs> recommendation here. <laughs> well, it I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Intriguing. And at the end of the game, Spoilers. one of the girls is um, a real person who is trapped in the video game, and it turns out they had been um, sort of messing <laughs> with the game's code. Um, they deleted the girls' files, uh, the girls who died, and um, tried to make them as unlikable as possible. So you date uh, that one girl, 
oh my god <laughs> and then it's at the end it's just you and them everything is screwed up and yeah doki doki literature club oh my gosh <laughs> that's really extreme i'm gonna have it, great dreams tonight <laughs> have you played many other visual novels i probably played like one and uh, I, I don't really enjoy them I watched about 15 minutes of Daddy Dating Simulator, which is a real game, <laughs> because <laughs> this... Who was playing it? Some, I think it was probably one of Rooster Teeth's people was playing it. Um, oh, it was. It was backwards compatible with Miles and the other guy that I can't remember. Sorry. Um, but I watched it for a little while, and it, that's just a style that does not appeal to me. So for anybody who doesn't know, a visual novel essentially is kind of like a point and click adventure you go through a video game and scenarios pop up and then you have options that you can choose and whatever it's usually like dialogue options that you can choose um or basic actions so you know walk over and throw the frisbee to the dog or um whistle at the dog or turn and talk to its owner or something <laughs> you know those will be your options and you'll choose that and then based on what you chose it's, it's uh i guess it's most similar to a choose your own adventure book but it's in the form of a game and so instead of flipping pages to see what happens, you choose something and then it comes up on the screen in front of you. Anyway, that's a, a really interesting art style. I haven't really explored very much. I think there's good ones. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say. Doki Doki Social Club. Host <laughs> literature, literature Club. Literature club. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I would hope that there are other ones that aren't horror animes. <laughs> you know, I don't, I mean, I, I that's... Uh, Good for you for being brave and sticking that out, though. That's something I would have turned off immediately. I, I didn't really know too much about it going in, but I saw um, on Steam it was tagged with psychological horror. Oh. And, oh. and then I started watching the stream and went from there. <laughs> it went from there. Okay, well, shifting gears. <laughs> I've been reading a book. I just recently started The Eye of the World by Hal Jordan. It's a part of the Wheel of Time series. And it's a high fantasy novel. Um, it follows the story right now. I'm following a character named Rand. who, And it's got a lot of really classic fantasy tropes in it. Um, it's like uh, uh, a boy and his dad whose mother is dead. They live, on, they live and work on a farm a little ways outside the village. They travel to the village to go for the springtime festival. But winter has been especially harsh that year. And there are no crops. And the wolves have been getting the sheep. There's the village oracle, and there's the smart mayor who is charismatic and everybody likes. And there's, because of the festival, there's like a a, a peddler is what it's called, like a sale, a traveling salesman. And there's a mm -hmm. traveling entertainer who comes. And then there's these mysterious strangers who show up who seem to have magical powers. And it's a part of, like I said, the Wheel of Time series, which is about the infinite repetitiveness of existence and how ages start and end, and nobody knows exactly where or when that's going to happen. And even though no two ages are exactly the same, the same characters exist and the same events take place over and over again. And it's an, an eternal battle between darkness and light, or good and evil. And it's pretty, I mean, I'm 100 pages into a 800-page book, <laughs> which is one of 14 books. Wow. And it's oh, pretty, God. yeah, no, so I'm, I'm very likely not going to read the whole thing, but it's pretty engaging. But I'm really happy to be getting back to a fantasy series. That's something I haven't, I think the last one I read was The King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss, which I adore. And this is uh, the first time I've really, yeah, come back to fantasy since then, and I'm very excited about it. But 14 books is an awful lot, so I don't know, uh, I don't know exactly what I'm getting into here, but what is, I'm curious <laughs> what the longest series you guys have ever read is. Because for me, other than this, it would be Harry Potter, which was eight books. 
Uh... Ooh, what about like a series of unfortunate events? Although I've never it's probably Harry Potter for me too. No, I've read just like trilogies. Yeah. I haven't read a book that's been more like a series that's been more of a more than two Have books. Have you not read Harry Potter? No. What about Twilight? See, I got to the third book and I stopped because the movies ruined it. <laughs> it was for more me. than three and you couldn't I do it. I <laughs> no, it was the movies. <laughs> the movies like absolutely I, I ruined it. The books. Um, Did you really? <laughs> yeah, and it it got to like weird vampire babies and I, I just stopped. Like, this is I too know. stupid. I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'll, I'll maybe update in five years on a future podcast to see how far along I am into book <laughs> 11. <laughs> oh, Lord. But, uh, yeah, that's that's I I am planning to continue this book. I gave up on the book I mentioned in the other podcast uh, called <laughs> Unbound by the dude who was like, Galileo was almost hanged and Darwin was scoffed at. And this might be, you might think this is wrong too, but it's not. And I shouldn't make fun of him because he's written a book and what have I done in my life. But anyway, I did, gave up on that. Hopefully it won't happen. The same thing won't happen with. I wish I could read things that weren't like articles that I'm required to read for like the <laughs> research paper and not. Many. Yeah. I just want to read for fun. Moving on to philosophy. The question for this week is, will humans inevitably become cyborgs, or is there a long-term future for purely organic bodies? And I have no idea what inspired this question. It didn't come from anywhere. I didn't say anything about it. I just thought about... Bionic limbs exist now. Or bionic isn't the right word, but... Prosthetic? Prosthetic, thank you. Prosthetic limbs exist now, and they're not... I, I mean, I guess I don't know them to be quite as, as helpful as assistive... As fantastic as prosthetic limbs are, and as much as we've been able to, no pun intended here, but make strides with them. <laughs> Sorry, that was really bad. Oh, um, there, you know, it's it's still second. It still um, comes in second place to a natural human, a natural, fully functional human leg, right? But eventually, I feel like we are going to develop prosthetics that will be integrated with our nervous system that we have complete control over, just as though they were a human limb. They're just not going to be made of organic tissue. It'll be whatever else um and i'm curious how long you guys think that human bodies are going to last and if it's inevitable that humans will eventually morph into partially cyborg or maybe just a metal casing with a human brain with an organic brain or is organic tissue too destructible because theoretically if everyone were made of metal then we could live a lot longer right because mm-hmm. we our bodies wouldn't degrade so fast so i'm curious what you guys think the future of that is starting with matthew um just replace my body already. <laughs> Do it now. Right now. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's not really a reason to have fleshy limbs and stuff. Uh, they just get in the way. Um, I guess they're self-repairing sometimes. That's true. So that's kind of helpful. Um, but that's only helpful if you injure yourself. And the only way you injure yourself is because flesh and blood are destructible and inferior to carbon fiber or whatever well, carbon fiber you can still like that's crush true it you can in break a car accident fiber. or something that's true um carbon yeah, fiber can't it probably won't be a replacement for a long time um because it'll be expensive and regular bodies work pretty well <laughs> <laughs> that's true for the most part <laughs> but yeah it'll be a while but It'll be okay once it happens. I, I don't need these 
stupid fingernails and stuff. <laughs> that I have to clip every two weeks. <laughs> um, I agree, and I also think it won't be a sudden change. It's not like all of the all of a sudden there are going to be purely robotic people with human brains. You know, it'll be one thing at a time. First, we'll replace yeah hands or limbs, and then we'll start replacing organs, and then it'll be a combination of things, and then maybe eventually we'll replace brains. That would be freaky. But Haley, what do you think? I read about this like um, last year in my theology in light of science class. We actually talked about like the ethics of it. I personally, I don't think it's going to be happening for at least a long time. But then people, actually, one of the professors here at our school wrote the book, and she talked about the ethics behind it, about whether or not like when is like trying to like use you know bionic arms and other artificial limbs like more enhancing people than it is like helping people oh i see so maybe more of an evolution than a than a solution to a problem yeah so then you know she kind of discussed like what it means to be like like, you know human and like you know relates back to religion but i kind of thought it was interesting just from that kind of ethical point because i i always thought i was like oh it must be great to have like these kind of limbs like well, I don't really ever see a bad point to it but then it's like but then uh she kind of brings up the money aspect of it if only like rich people are able to yeah access these uh services I guess you could say but not like more poor developing countries aren't able to get to it like what's that gonna do to population I think another possible alternative future to this uh would be genetic Enhancement and modification. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's still, orga- it's still fully organic, but it's modified. Right. To be more resilient or something. Hmm. That's... Yeah, then you run into the ethics of, like, designer babies. Yeah, that's true. Like, oh, I don't want this baby because it has blue eyes. Hmm. Change that's... it. <laughs> yeah. Boy, that's getting into a whole rabbit yep. hole that we are not going <laughs> to go down tonight. Anyway, how about cyborg sex? How does that work? <laughs> oh, man, Matthew. <laughs> Let's leave that for a future episode. Tell us on Twitter how you think cyborg sex works at at TipTopTechCast. <laughs> okay, so for our final segment, which is our rotating segment, this week is influential social media profiles. So people that you either follow online, doesn't have to be related to social media, I suppose. Influential people that you follow online or that you've seen in person or, that, or whose books you've read, um, who you keep up with on a semi-regular basis or know at least a little more than a little bit about. Um, what they do and why they're influential. So I'll start with this one, and my choice is Bernie Burns. His name is actually Michael, and this is why I picked him. Six, my name is Michael. No, that's not true. Um, and he <laughs> founded. He was one of the original founders of this company called Rooster Teeth that I follow. It's a production company based in Texas, and they make a bunch of really popular. Uh, originally, their most popular work was something called Red versus Blue, and it was a uh, basically a video capture of Halo characters characters from the video game halo moving their heads up and down and looking back and forth and switching between shots of stagnant or of uh um static halo characters just looking up and down as they talk um along with the script and it was meant to be a comedy show and they've evolved into this giant um really large organization that produces uh let's play video uh, let's play videos it produces animated shorts they do they have their own uh anime series called ruby they have um a bunch of 
kind of podcasts and talk shows that I really enjoy. And essentially, it all stemmed from this one guy, Bernie Burns, coming up with, you know, having a vision of what he wanted to do and just having, trying to do something fun with his friends. And now it's a, a multi-million dollar organization that's produces a lot of really fantastic content, in my opinion. So that's mine, is Bernie Burns. Okay, Haley, who's yours? <laughs> <laughs> um, my person would probably be Philip DeFranco. Uh, he is more popular on YouTube, has a YouTube channel, uh, goes by Philly D is kind of what it is. Uh, basically he does news and I remember I used to watch him like in high school and I still watch him today, which is kind of, I kind of used to not watch YouTube for a little bit just cause like school got hectic, but then he's on Facebook now and they upload Facebook videos, um, just little segments. And I guess what I liked about him uh, other than just how he edited his videos, which he used like jump cuts quite frequently. <laughs> so he just like just got to it, um, which I kind of liked. And you know, he like he was in med school uh, and he like dropped out to do YouTube stuff. And so I think that's pretty cool how he because kind of people think that dropouts don't usually amount to much. But here he is is like. He's done really good. He has a network. He has, like, his own studio now. I remember we used to, like, watching him, and he was, like, just doing these shows in, like, his bedroom and then, like, the living room. And, like, uh, and then, like, in a ha- yeah, house. But now he actually has, like, a whole studio, and they do other segments. It's not just, like, you know, Phil talking to the camera. They have – he has hired other people who talk about, like, you know, video games. They talk about other aspects of, like, politics and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of cool how it's ex- it's expanded so much hmm. from just, like, Phil talking about the news every, like, week to now videos every day, and he has his own studio. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, um, mine um, is another YouTuber. Let's talk about all the YouTubers. And, uh, <laughs> be here a while. <laughs> so her channel is called ContraPoints, and she is um, a YouTuber who basically talks about um, social justice, uh, feminism, and those sorts of things. Um, and I don't know, I don't have a whole lot to say. Um, she does skits, which are, I think, uh, very, very funny. And um, her content's uh, really improved in like the past six months, and um, I don't know. I just really enjoy her channel a lot. <laughs> That's cool to see when you're following somebody for long enough to see the progression of their content from something mm-hmm. that's very clearly elementary or sophomoric, but still you know funny and at its core high quality content to something that's way more polished and easy to watch. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, no, that's. Excellent. Does she have a name, or does she, is, is it not uh, Does she it have a name? Natalie. Yeah. I don't know her last name. Natalie, and her channel is what did you say? Contrapoints. Contrapoints. Yep. Sweet. Well, that is all we had for you guys. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Matthew and Haley for joining me. You can find us on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com/tiptoptech or on Twitter at TiptopTechCast. Feel free to tweet us. We will hopefully be joining Real Podcast Network soon. That's a lot more difficult than we expected. So for now, we'll have to put up a SoundCloud. Anyway, thank you both for joining me, and I hope the listeners have a fantastic day. Bye. Bye. Bye.